Palau, an island nation in the Western Pacific, is made up of one big barrier reef and countless small ones. Its total area is less than half that of Hong Kong, yet its territorial waters are the size of France. Here, the islands are surrounded by the blue ocean. The underwater marine life is bountiful. There are over 1,500 species of fish and 700 species of coral. It's little wonder that its beautiful scenery has attracted tourists to come here for their holidays. Tourism and fishery are the two mainstays of its economy. However, its economic growth has created an ecological crisis in Palau. In its capital, Koro, every day at dawn, fishermen bring in their fish that they have just caught to the fish market to be sold. When we opened this fish market in 1997, we used to sell an average of uh, 10,000 pounds of fish a week. Now it has been cut off almost 60%. So we are now selling almost 40% of what we used to sell back in 1997. These are regular size. They don't get any bigger than that. That's the size they have. But before, we don't even accept to buy this kind of fish. But nowadays, there are people who like to buy them. So we only buy a few to cover some of the demand that they have. Palau is short on land, and most of what it has is unsuitable for farming. So for generations, seafood has been the staple of the local people. The ocean is the lifeblood which sustains them. But over 10 years ago, their fish harvest began to decline at an alarming rate. Most of the fish market were forced to close down. It's one of the fish markets uh, out of six or seven uh, that they had in the past, but it's closed. All the other fish markets have closed except for one in the whole of Palau. I understand that it closed about four years ago, and I remember coming here, coming in to see what kind of species they had, what groupers, what sizes, you know, a thriving fish market. And as you can see, I understand that there are too few fish now to sustain more than a single fish market here in Palau. Yvonne is a marine biology professor at the Hong Kong University. When she first came to Palau 20 years ago, she was immediately attracted by its beautiful underwater scenery. In the early 90s, just by chance, and when I came here as a tourist, I had an opportunity to dive on one of the aggregations um, out at Oolong, a channel not far from here. And it was just fantastic. I mean, it was just a, a wonderful thing to see. Lots and lots of groupers there. This breathtaking scene was recently shot by Yvonne in an area in the South Pacific that has seen little human traffic. She said the underwater scene she saw in Palau 20 years ago 
was just like it. I just saw this substrate, the bottom was completely dark, and as I dove down to the bottom, I began to see the bottom moving. And I began to realize that actually, what I thought was the reef bottom was made up of a whole carpet of fish. And I realized I was on a spawning aggregation where there were thousands of fish, so a fantastic experience. And the film here actually really shows how it looked to me the very first time I saw it. The fish you see now at the bottom of the sea in Palau was a far cry from the spectacular scene it once was. With such an expanse of territorial waters, why did its marine resources suddenly decline? It appears that in the 1980s, traders of coral fish wanted the expensive fish that live here, such as grouper and humphead wrasse. The result was catastrophic. We used to have a very big Napoleon wrasse and groupers. But there were some fishermen from Hong Kong went down there and fish. And they brought in a, a lot of groupers. Four years ago, Thomas Patrice was elected governor of Toby. He said he was also in the live fish trade, but he didn't realize it would have such consequences. The best fisherman in Toby. I have to move my car. He's one of the fishermen that used to do the live grouper. He has kept the fishing boat the Hong Kong traders had provided him. There it is. Take a large quantity of fish and keep it fresh because of life. There's fresh water going in and out. We have about 18, but uh, the other people, the other boats, they took them back to Hong Kong. Thomas said he didn't think the large-scale fishing would lead to a drastic decline in underwater life. During that time, we thought that we could, you know, sustain the resources, but we couldn't because they fish for grouper and other fish, even sharks. They fish for sharks to feed the grouper. And when we realized that uh, marine resources were declining very fast, then we stopped. In 2003, Yvonne began working with a conservation group in Palau to study the fishery ecology there. She focuses particularly on the spawning aggregations of groupers. And many of the larger reef fish that we target for fisheries have what we call spawning aggregations. Spawning just means mating. And what it means is that the only way that they reproduce is by coming together in big groups, in big aggregations. The males meet the females and then they can spawn. Groupers and parrotfish are both coral reef fishes. Their breeding season is very short. It happens only a few particular days in a few particular months, at the same time each year. When they are spawning, the males and females will assemble in a mass. It is a spectacular sight. As a large number of fish is together in one place, naturally they become a target of fishermen.
Today, Yvonne is taking advantage of the breeding season of groupers to go out to sea with a group of researchers to conduct a survey. She wants to see 10 years after the government's fishing ban if the grouper population has rebounded. Yvonne's team members are setting up cameras in different spots. They are going to film the groupers arriving and leaving at different times. At the same time, she and two team members will follow three straight lines to record the species and numbers of groupers they encounter on the way. Before there was commercial fishing operation, when the fisheries were mainly for subsistence, just for food for the day or food for the community, aggregations could be fished you know, with no problem. But when commercial level of fishing came in, more and more fishermen went to fish, they fished more and more fish, much more than the community needed, that's when we saw the aggregations begin to decline. After filming for a few days, the cameras didn't catch that many groupers. I guess I'm disappointed because I saw so few fish, because I did think that after the place had been protected, that would give an opportunity for animals to recover. So there's a lot less than I saw 20 years ago. And I saw some hooks, uh, well, a hook uh, I brought up from the site. Uh, it's not supposed to be fished, so clearly fishing is continuing. Men go for the protein, which is mainly fish. Obak is the chief of a village near Koro, the capital of Palau. He said for generations, no one was a fisherman by profession and no one traded in seafood. But almost every man knew how to fish. They took turns to go out to sea every day to catch fish to feed the entire village. Before fishermen go fishing, usually only one fisherman in the village would feed the whole village. Only get enough for their pot, and then they give the rest to community. But now, people, when they catch many, they sell. Every village has a stretch of waters under its jurisdiction. The village chief decides the time, the species, and the number to fish. We practice conservation way, way back. If a chief would see or people would see that the fish is getting less in this area, they will put a law. Now you go fish anywhere else, don't fish in this area and let the population of fish come back. When trading of seafood started, Palau's traditional wisdom in protecting the ocean could not withstand the onslaught. 
1994, the government implemented a fishing moratorium on grouper and humphead wrasse. Finally, it banned their fishing altogether. It also set up protected areas in some waters in which fishing is prohibited. In 2008, Palau banned all export of live coral fish. However, after the measures came into effect, underwater recovery has been slower than expected. The fishermen resort to all kinds of ways to bring enough fish. Iyaka, who has been fishing for over 30 years, is going out to fish through the night. Nighttime period. We watch the fish uh, came close to us. We use a uh, flashlight. The fish cannot see that. He said 20 years ago, if he fished close to shore for two to three hours, he would catch enough fish. Now he has to go out to deeper waters to find fish. I don't know why like that, not like before. Before I stay rock island and then I go fishing. When the low tide going down, we saw the fish coming down by group. But this time no more, only few fish snakes coming down. Iyaka has been fishing all night. He only came ashore after daybreak. In the last five years, he has been spending more and more time fishing, but the harvest has become smaller and smaller. Before plenty fish, five, about uh, five hours, I still catch uh, almost 300 some pounds. But uh, this time I spend a lot of time, maybe four hours or five hours, cannot uh, fill up that uh, coolies. To get a better price, Iyaka sells his catch directly to high-end hotels catering to foreign tourists. Staff from the hotel is waiting here for him early in the morning. When we have a high occupancy and we need fish, we always use this guy to, to, to get fish for us.
Palau has become a hot tourist destination in recent years. Many visitors from Japan, Taiwan and the U.S. come here for their holidays. The most recent are from mainland China. The number of tour groups keeps rising. Tourists flock here not just for its beautiful natural scenery, but also for the variety of seafood. Bolio 我们的客人们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们们
One of the decisions that countries like Palau has to make is whether or not to export their coastal resources. There are not enough for local use, including for tourism, and for export markets. So countries like Palau will have to make a decision. Do they export? Do they ensure local food security? Do they want to feed their tourism sector? They can't do it all. The Palauans have experienced firsthand the consequences of human destruction of marine resources. It makes them appreciate even more the wisdom of their ancestors. Their relationship with the sea is symbiotic. They depend on each other for survival.